Hello and welcome to Pulp Today, number 32. I hope I got that one right. Cheers. Mmm. Alcohol. Horror is a good topic. My dad is primarily known, Michael Avalone, for writing detective novels, some gothic romances, tie-ins, things like that. Uh, but he did a fair amount of horror writing in his life, and the first sale he ever made as a professional writer, since I did my first sale last time, this is his first sale, was to Weird Tales. And you know what? I should read that story, but not today. We're not going to do that one. Uh, but horror... He wrote the Satan Sleuth series. There are three of these, or five if you count the unpublished, which I will at some point. Um, about a superhero-ish, Batman-ish guy who fights devil-worshipping cults. Where is he when we need him? Beast with Red Hands, for something that was called the Frankenstein Horror Series. Uh, wrote it under the name of one of his early agents. I don't remember the story on that. Steve Mertz, if you're watching, chime in and tell me. He adapted one of his buddy Robert Block's screenplays into a novelization called The Night Walker. Uh, he used a fake name on it, Sidney Stewart again, his old agent. He always told me he always regretted not putting his name on this one. He thought, you know, I don't want to compete with Bob in any way, but as he got older and he became closer friends with Block, he was like, oh, I missed a chance to have both of our names on a book together and how great would that have been? He wrote a thing, uh, I mean, there's a lot of horror. I'm just going through them quickly. He wrote a thing called The Coffin Things. Here's the real heartbreaker. Soon to be a major Francois Truffaut motion picture. There was a minute when Francois was trying very hard. We're buddies. I call him by his first name. Was trying very hard to be Alfred Hitchcock. And he optioned some Cornell Woolrich stories and made one of them, The Bride Wore Black. And he asked Cornell was a buddy of dad's also you know what is there anything you think I should look at and Cornell sent him coffin things or pointed him in the direction of coffin things and they optioned it but the movie was never made and hmm. but speaking of movies that that were made he also did this novelized Friday the 13th part 3 as I always like to say yes he did write the book in 3d he was in three dimensions when he wrote it but that is none of this is the the, the focus of our little uh, meeting today. One of his most long-lived projects was a thing called Tales of the Frightened. It's the 1950s. The pulp magazines are dying. Uh, <laughs> so in keeping possibly with the family uh, tradition of investing heavily in things just as they're dying or too early for them to be popular, he edited and wrote copy for a pulp fiction magazine called Tales of the Frightened, which were short stories, short horror stories. He edited the book. I think he ghost wrote, looking at the names, he ghost wrote a bunch of them. Author John Jakes has a story in here. There's also stories that are uh, credited to Boris Karloff, who obviously did not write them. Second issue had not a very good cover, and maybe that's why there was no third issue. But uh, what this was in aid of, also, was the idea that there was going to be a radio show, Tales of the Frightened, read by Boris Karloff. And the stories, the Tales of the Frightened, 
are very much written to be read by Boris Karloff. They're written in a in a voice and with a style that I think Dad knew the great Karloff would uh, give a lot of power to. And so uh, I don't know that they were ever made into a radio show. I know that 13 of them were recorded, released as long-playing records, Tales of the Frightened, told by Boris Karloff. These things are great. There are two of them. Uh, there are technically four because two are in, they're, they're in mono and stereo, as was the style at the time. They're very, if you listen to them now, they're very clearly Boris does one take, maybe two, and they threw electronic, very early electronic music from a band called the Electrosonics. It took me a long time to find this information. Band called the Electrosonics, early electronic music, really great chilling stuff. I recommend these highly. You can hear them on YouTube. A lot of people have pirated them, and I have no, not going to chase them down for that. For, But um, there were more than 13 stories, and they were repackaged and sold over and over again as paperbacks. This one using the album cover. The art gets goofier as we move into the 70s. And for the British edition, we decided that uh, Boris needed fangs. What are you going to do? Years later, after my dad had passed away, not particularly wanting to hunt down the Karloff estate and get into a thing with them over the rights to his voice, though it's I think it's all kind of fallen into the public domain because I don't know that anybody... I don't know that anybody kept up the, the copyright registration on the original recordings. I had my good friend Vernon Wells, who you, if you're a certain age, you know him as Wes, the warrior of the wasteland from the Road Warrior. If you're considerably younger, you know him as Lord, I want to say Lord Zed from the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. Buddy of mine, great actor, has an amazing voice. I had him do 10 of the stories. I think it's 10. And the great composer, uh, Evan Schletter, provided music for it. My wife mocked up a cover for us for the first edition when we were still sort of in production. And then the artist, uh, Taya Sachs, did a beautiful painting of Vernon and some background elements for the final release. That's now currently out of print, and I haven't scrambled hard enough to get it back into print in time for this Halloween but next Halloween for, for sure. I'm going to read three of these and separate it over three videos. But I'm going to start with the first one. They're all very short. They all have a format. The format is, well, we'll talk about the format after I read one. But they all do start with the same line. This one is called The Man in the Raincoat, the story of Sylvester Dodge. I will not attempt a Karloff impression, and you will be grateful. Are you one of the frightened? Have you ever imagined somebody following you, caught a glimpse of a strange face in the crowd behind you? Then that face seems mysteriously with you wherever you go. Sylvester Dodge had just such an experience. Walk with me a bit, and I'll tell you about Sylvester and his man in the raincoat. Sylvester Dodge was a man like you or me. He worked as a bookkeeper in a Wall Street office, and for many years he was saving for the day when he could afford his trip to Europe, away from ledgers and bank balances and adding machines. Finally, the last week of daily toil approached, and anticipation thrilled his fat little body as he boarded the Lexington Avenue local. The big vacation loomed on his horizon as the reward of a dreary lifetime. 
It was then that Sylvester Dodge first noticed the man in the raincoat with the curiously shaped umbrella. Something about the man made Sylvester shudder. The man's face was a deathly white, and the hands surrounding the handle of the umbrella were like great claws. The flesh of the fingers was horribly gnarled and a ghastly green. Sylvester could not bear to look at him. But even in turning away, he felt the eyes of the man boring into his back like twin beams of awful light. You know that feeling, don't you? Someone who's looking at you, staring at you, eyeing you with such terrible concentration that you want to scream or cry out, Stop! Stop! When the train reached the station, Sylvester rushed from the car like a man released from prison. The man on the subway had shocked him. But then again, you do meet all kinds of people in New York, don't you? And so Sylvester Dodge began the block walk to his office. The sun was out, April breezes caressed the stone buildings, and people bustled along with spring steps. But Sylvester had that curious feeling I mentioned to you. Someone was following him. He felt eyes peering at his back, could feel somebody's interest and attention focused on his rounded body hurtling through the crowd. He found himself walking faster. He stopped for a street light, puffing for air. He turned a deathly white face in the crowd, bobbed like a Halloween skeleton, and vanished. Sylvester Dodge whirled and raced across the street, his coattails flying. He stopped again, a block away from his office, and flung a backward look. There was the man in the raincoat, waving his claw-like hand in greeting, the umbrella dangling from the wrist. Something pounded in Sylvester Dodge's skull, and desperately, he raced the remaining block and fell against the building wall, gasping for breath. He turned, slowly, fighting for his reason. But no, there was the man in the raincoat, a scant ten yards away, coming toward him. The ghastly face was smiling, and the umbrella was outstretched, as if it were seeking something. Sylvester Dodge pushed out from the wall and left the protection of the building. At that precise moment, the grand piano that was being hoisted to the office on the fourth floor swung awkwardly on its pulley. The rope snapped, and its great weight crashed to the sidewalk, pinning Sylvester Dodge to his death. So you see, poor Sylvester tried to run away from his fate and dodged in the wrong direction. All because he had the silly notion that someone was following him. Well, I'll leave you here, my friend. You don't think my face is so awfully white, do you? Oh, I'm sorry. I seem to have dropped my umbrella. Would you mind very much handing it to me? <laughs> so that's the that's the format. Are you one of the are you one of the frightened? Followed by the story followed by a tag in which Boris is possibly revealed to be the antagonist in the story. They are so much fun. And there are, in the book, there are, they're not numbered, but there are, there are, there are a lot of them. <laughs> and like I said, we recorded 10 of them. Eben did great music and someday I'll re-release, we'll re-release them. Uh, stay tuned. I'm going to do two more of these. Thanks for listening, as always. For more information, visit PendantAudio.com. Thanks for listening.